Hello everyone and welcome to another very special edition of our Priority One podcast. This is Priority One Audio Log 006 at Mike Tanaka 2095. Now this is a very unusual uh, title because it does refer to something that's been hidden and a bit secret for a while but I think as it's heading up towards the festive season and we're running our alien advent calendar I thought this could be an excellent alien isolation advent calendar treat. So so uh, we're going to be talking today about Mike Tanaka, who is uh, a personal love of mine because I kind of rated him um, along with some of the guys in the studio. So I have a very soft spot for Mike Tanaka. And today with me uh, to explore the character of Mike Tanaka, who he is, what he is in relation to Alien Isolation. I've got some very lovely people here with me. Some of you uh, may recognise some of them because they featured before in our past podcasts. But we also do have a special guest today as well. So uh, with me, I have lead artist Jude Bond. Hi there, everybody. Um, here again. <laughs> For another thrilling podcast, Jude. Absolutely, another thrilling podcast. Exactly, um, exactly. Yeah, to talk about um, Mike Tanaka and one of our Easter eggs. And uh, I've got Dion Lay, who is, as you know, one of our writers. Hi. Um, Hello again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, talking a bit more about the background of uh, Sevastopol and how Mike enabled us to uh, explore some of that. Yeah, and uh, our special guest, eclipsing us all on this lovely winter's day, is uh, Callum Watt, who is a artist, an illustrator, and has been helping us extensively, actually, I'd say, Callum, from the get-go of Alien Isolation. That's right, thank you for having me. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, I was involved very early on in the pre-production of Alien Isolation and then very much towards the end on, on the character of Mike Tanaka as well, bookending it really. Yeah, and it's it's hopefully very exciting. I'm really excited about this podcast because A, I haven't done one for a while. B, we have loads of mince pies because we're in festive season, so we're a bit high on sugar and uh, and coffee. So this this should be good. Um, so again, massive welcome back to everyone, to all our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. It's been a while, so it's quite nice to be back I'm sure you'll enjoy my ramblings as always and uh, we're gonna crack on really I'm gonna let Callum introduce himself and divulge a little bit more information on the work that you have done for Alien Isolation which uh, when I first started here I was looking at some of your work and going oh my god this is amazing so uh, when the character of Mike came along I pretty much I think we knew Jude who we wanted on board and, and working on Mike um, Callum you explain what it is that you do okay well I'm professionally I'm a concept artist specializing in characters um, I've been doing game work for about 15 years now prior to that I was a comic artist and graphic designer so my day-to-day -day job is really coming up with uh, the look and personality of a character and the attitude of a character so for Alien Isolation it was a slight departure from that because while we had to kind of explore the attitude of some of the characters a lot of the in-game work is based off life scans from real actors so for me my job was to kind of come up with the clothing that would be appropriate for that character and with Jude's help we, we kind of decided that we're going to pay a, a very close homage to Alien uh, we, we briefly looked at expanding that universe with some of the clothing but we ended up really coming back to what was there because there's such great source material from John Mollo who's a genius really and, and it, we owe current concept and current films are a great debt to him because up until John Marlowe came along to do film design, everyone was still in spandex. Everyone was Buck Rogers and he kind of brought it down to a bit more utility, a bit more realistic. Mm. And we still got that today in films and, and games. And obviously Mobius as well, who was a massive hero of mine. And so to use these two as a source material was just fantastic. Our clothing within the game pays great detail to what they did. We expanded a little bit, but really a great debt side to them. Mm. And actually, I think for some of you guys who have the Titan art book, you'll see sections of where we've shared 
artwork that Callum has done um, alongside with some words from Jude about the costume and about the, the world and, and using that alien um, influence. But can you imagine what our game and the film would be like if it was all spandex? Yes. Imagine that for a moment. Uh, no. <laughs> mm, shiny spandex. No, no. There's always a place for spandex. It is not in Alien. <laughs> No, no, so Cal did a great job actually, you know, clothing mm. these clothing these characters. As he says, you know, we went and cast real people for these roles, and so I suppose there's although you know there's certainly concept work to be done there, design to be done there. I think it probably was more analogous with you know what you might do in a in a movie or something like that, you know, dressing these people and uh, bestowing them with character through their through their costume and well. As, as in the original film, everyone wears a sort of uniform, a mm. kind of standard issue uniform, but it's the little uh, bits that they add to it to make it unique to them. So yeah. whether it's a a uh, cowboy boots, a Hawaiian shirt, those elements we kind of fed in as well that you, you know these people perhaps they've got like a stock inventory mm. of clothing that they're allowed to choose or have to choose to wear. There's those little extras that they add to that which give them their personality. Mm. Absolutely. I really yeah. like Berlane's kind of um, Floral the captain. Shirt. The, yeah, yeah, she's got lovely. a very, very kind yeah. of um, uh, a lovely uniform, but then underneath she's got this really loud yeah. Hawaiian yeah. kind of shirt. Yeah, it's I quite great. Like it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there is that kind of formal sense of uniform, mm. I think, in the scene designs, but, you know, it's not Star Trek, is it? You know, this no. is this is much more believable or informal yeah. use mm. of a... Yeah, because it also suggests that there's, the, there's a lived-in quality to the characters as well. They're not box-fresh like yeah. in Star Trek. Everyone's got their appropriate uniform, and they stick to that, really. Here, you see people, maybe they started off mm. like that, but after a couple of months, a couple of years, you know, they, they can't be bothered with that, so they'll, they'll add their own little bit. No ironing's going on, you know, nothing's... Yeah. nothing's kind of pressed, nothing's perfect, it's all a little bit lived in. I mean, just picking up on um, something Callum said a minute ago, I mean, you know, we did obviously look very hard at the, the original costumes and you know, I think one of the first exercises we did there was just completely de deconstruct them down to, you know, here's where the stitching goes. But then, you know, we did want to make uh, new characters with, you know, new costume elements, mm. new uniforms. And I think one of our overriding goals really was to make characters that, you know, look like they could have been uh, in the original movie, even though they were, you know, fresh and, and new to our new to our game. I think we... I think we achieved that fairly well. I think yeah. so, I think so. I think the hard part is to, if you look back at the uh, Alien film, they're kind of, they, they, they haven't really dated, and so it's hard to kind of fit into that kind of universe without being too knowledgeable about it, feel that it all works together. And I think it's definitely been achieved in, in, in isolation. I think it feels that it could right. be an extension or even part of mm. that universe. I think mm. that's, that's, that's a sign of a success. I guess even even before we started looking at the you know, the costume design and the characters that we were going to take into production, I mean you were working with us mm -hmm. um, right at the beginning of the project, weren't you? Um, you know, producing some really lovely kind of tone or mood pieces for you know about our characters. I mean the game was about characters, and mm -hmm. it was important that we kind of you know captured that personality and. Um, I can't remember how we knew you prior to that, but um, but we did, and uh, it was like we need to get Callum into yeah. into do this. You know, his, um, his treatment of characters is absolutely lovely, sensitive, you know, very beautiful. And yeah. I think when we knew we were doing this, it was like we need Callum. And and for a character like Mike Tanaka, which we who we will go on to talk about, you know, we did need that um, subtle and very gentle approach of how how do you present this character who is so much to uh, us in this room and to many others in the studio, and and, and do it in a way that he comes across as someone I look back on and go oh Mike you know and then tears well up and you know all gets a bit emotional so just to remind you again as well as well as Callum we do have Jude and Dion with us and they're just going to do a quick refresh on, on what it is that they do in the studio for, for those who are tuning in for the first time Jude 
Hi again, uh, yeah, I'm Jude. I'm a lead artist on the console team. Um, you know, I think I'm really proud of what the art team, um, what the art team did, and what we managed to pull together. Um, very cool. Uh, hi, yeah, I'm um, Dion. Um, I'm one of the writers, along with uh, Dan Abnett and Will Porter, and um, I do dialogue and story, and uh, kind of do stuff in the world, like some of you know the posters and um, environmental storytelling things like that. So. And just on that note, actually, uh, we have been giving out downloadable posters um, mm. for our Alien Advent, and I have to admit that everyone's really loving them, and have purposely chosen the ones that a uh, few people have commented on when they've actually managed to see them in-game, when they're not hiding under a table. So it's quite nice. So well done, Dion. And oh, obviously the great work that... Oh, yes, yes, did. yeah. And well done, Jude. Yeah, yeah. No, I love them. Though. We couldn't have done it without the copy from the writers. <laughs> That's right, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so let's move on to the subject of this podcast. And for some of you, you may all be thinking, who the hell is Mike Tanaka? And why are we all talking about him on an, on an Alien Isolation podcast? Um, well, Mike Tanaka is actually a character who you can find in our Alien Isolation game. And he's also, like I said, you know, uh, holds a very special place in my heart because um, I came along and I said, I'd love to be able to create a character who could appear in game, but also have this massive backstory um, that people could then go and explore and discover on social. So you can actually find Mike Tanaka on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Mike Tanaka 2095. From there, he's been tweeting for quite a while now, I'd say like well over a year, maybe a year and a half. Um, and he's been tweeting for a long time, talking about his daily life and his journey to Sevastopol and what happens there. So the reason why I wanted to create Mike Tanaka was to have a different perspective on the story that would happen in Alien Isolation. And uh, I wanted to create someone who was a nice guy who everyone could relate to. So to give you in brief, Mike Tanaka is 45, he's 45 maybe older now. And uh, he is a father of two and a very devoted husband. And he's a systems archivist who is a contractor and he tends to get contracted out to the various stations to do um, contract work, uh, archiving data, mostly for stations that are being decommissioned. And he gets the last job on um, Sevastopol, which is to go and archive all their data. Obviously, it's not been officially confirmed when he gets the job that Sevastopol is being decommissioned, but he knows and he goes off and waves goodbye to his lovely wife and beautiful kids and he goes off to Sevastopol. And suffice to say that things happen to Mike on Sevastopol because um, these are the events that happened before. Um, what was that? Apologies, that was my phone. I'll put oh, it now, put shocking. It on uh, so sorry about that. That's Jude having a technical... It's not even work, it's my brother asking me about Christmas presents, so double apologies there. Uh, okay, um, going back to Christmas presents, Mike. Um, and he, yes, so uh, he lands on Sevastopol a couple of months, um, several months actually, before the events happen that bring Amanda to the station and he is able to give us actually on Twitter a really lovely insight and a lovely view of life on Sevastopol before everything went crazy and you know um, bad. He has been in my heart and life for a very long time so I'm really keen for everyone to get out there and go look on his Twitter uh, handle and discover his story and discover the, the story of Sevastopol prior to the event so please do. and. Um, because he's such a special character, because we did spend a, a bit of time fleshing out his story and his character, we brought Cam Callum along 
I think I just called you caramel. I'm sorry. That's fine. Callum That's fine. along right. yeah. <laughs> to uh, draw out the character of, of Mike. And I worked closely with Dion as well to embed him into the story of Sebastopol and uh, to give people a separate story that they could enjoy and, and discover. I mean, I really like, I really love Mike. And, you know, like I said, I've been working with him for a while. And, and Dion, you helped build him into the world of Sebastopol. I mean, what was your favourite part or your favourite bit of, of creating Mike? Um, well, I, th I think what I really liked about him is um, it is a really useful way to just tell more about Sebastopol Station because he, he's, uh, he's there a long time before everything happens and, mm. and, uh, and the alien appears. You get, you get to know about what Sebastopol life was like before everything goes terribly wrong. Um, but also because he's a, a contractor to the station, he can um, also see things and comment things for the first time. So he's, um, he's a good witness, but also he can introduce the player mm. to the world. And it's really nice having him as a systems archivist because we thought, you know, if, it's, if a decommissioning has taken place, it's, it's going to make sense to, you know, take all that information somewhere. And so he's, he's useful to having game to talk about the background stuff. And also on Twitter, you can kind of see the gradual um, the breakdown as it, as it kind of uh, devolves exactly. and everyone goes nuts. So it was really nice. It was really nice doing that. And it's quite fun writing a timeline. And um, when we did um, the audio and text logs, you've got this massive timeline because there's a lot of logs and it's, yeah. it takes a long time. And it is, uh, was actually quite fun. It's like a puzzle, figuring out where he would be when, which characters in the game he can actually interact with, which makes sense. When things kind of devolve, like, well, it's kind of bad now, so in this week he's going to be talking about this, and then it gets really bad, and now it's terrible. And, and so mm. it's quite nice to like, plan out his his timeline and matching it with what happens in the yeah. logs and Sebastopol. So he was, that's why I enjoyed him. He was, he was like a really nice tool, you know, yeah, um, no, to use. And I, I think uh, the thing with Mike as well is, uh, without divulging too much, because we do want you to go and, and, and discover Mike's story for yourself, um, so we'll... we'll carefully hint at some really lovely stuff that you can look forward to. But he does get to interact with some of the um, characters who you do encounter in the game yourself at playing as Amanda. So he does get to interact with them on a textual basis um, via Twitter and you, you, he does mention a few of them. And um, what's great about Mike is that he is also a sort of like um, a, a wannabe artist and a illustrator and doodlist. So he spends a lot of time doodling and drawing stuff and this is where we thought we'd um, make extra use of Callum's excellent skills and get him to do rough sketches as Mike Tanaka of what he would be seeing on Sevastopol and some of the characters that he bumps into meet. So if you do go down the um, sort of like Twitter timeline and check out Mike's stuff you will come across some fantastic art and, and, and rough sketches and drawings which Callum did which I was very excited about putting out but I had to be really strategical so I had to you know sort of like spread them out but there is some lovely stuff of some some characters who you know many of you may have grown quite fond of uh, or you know have encountered in in game and been like oh you know uh, would like to know more about them I'm hoping that Mike gives a little bit more information um, about those characters don't want to actually say who they are but um, he, uh, my favourite is he, he has a very close friendship with one of the um, characters who Amanda bumps into uh, in the game but doesn't actually have a, a long relationship with whereas Mike gets to have this long relationship with this person and they're really good mates and they go to the pub and they have a few drinks and it's really nice to have that relationship work out and, and hopefully for people 
they get to look at that relationship and then see a progression of that other character in, in the game as well. So I thought that was quite nice. So yeah, Dion and I sat down and said, we want to have this character. We want him to enrich in the story of Sevastopol, but in a separate way to outside the game as, as, as an extra goodie for people. We decided what Mike was going to look like and his family life. And then we took that plan to Jude, who then said, I think Callum is the perfect person for this. Um, and then we took Mike to Callum. So Callum, I wanted to know from you, what was it like receiving that brief? And how did you go about creating Mike visually based on what we sort of like <laughs> scrabbled together and said, I want this and I'd like him to be like this? Yeah, well, that's great because there was more of a brief for Mike really than perhaps some of the other characters. Cause I think he, he was he wasn't going to be a scammed actor in the, in the the game either so there was a bit more for me to do in that that respect there's also quite a, a rich backstory to him and I, I knew where his story was going as well which mm. always helps but you know he's a normal guy he's kind of doing a normal job relatively speaking in the future which is I find very interesting he's not a superhero he's not a hero you know he, he's going to react in a different way to most game characters and I think that's really interesting and I identified a lot with that I kind of started off in the usual way I got mm. the brief from you guys I did, I think, four designs uh, for him, and I, I, I've not seen him, so I don't know which one you chose. I think I know which one you chose, but I have not actually seen the, the, the physical uh, character. Um, so once we, we kind of got that the character out of the way, it was all about his story mm. and how we were going to fill that out with the, the illustrations you wanted, yeah. um, his, his Twitter icon, uh, his family pictures and yeah. things like that, which, again, is really quite a treat because normally characters don't have that kind of backstory in the mm. game. It's normally right, here he is. Let the player make that story. So this was really quite interesting, this level of detail to go into uh, and working out um, the right choices for him that would fit with his character. And then within, again, to keep it in the universe of the game as well, including the other characters that he meets and the little hints and clues that we can add into that. Um, so it, it was a really good fun character to kind of uh, investigate and create. And I started following his feed in secret as it, as it came <laughs> yeah. on. And, and I didn't, while I knew his overall story, mm. I didn't know the, the incidental details. So it's been quite a, a harrowing experience. It was following. emotional. Seeing as I, I felt quite close to him because, you know, he's a family man. He's got mm. two daughters like myself. Uh, he's he's a, an amateur artist like myself, um, <laughs> and uh, so and also a lot of the illustrations that I did were probably the most like my own style as well. A lot of them had to be quite quick drawings, and towards the end, some of the drawings that he puts up at yeah. the end were very. I had to actually take a different approach to how I drew them to kind mm. of reflect the experiences he was having. So, and I, I struggled over a lot of those because yeah. it was a very different way for me to draw. For I haven't drawn like that for ten years, um, so I felt quite connected to him mm. in that sense so to, to follow his story online is a different experience I think for me it's something that I've not um, had it while working in games so it's been great. Uh, for me personally I really love the little details you added to Mike like um, so Mike is obsessed with space travel this was one of the things that we wanted to really give to his character which is why in his world Sevastopol when it first launched was this massive station everyone was really talking about it and going crazy over it and he's always wanted to go to Sevastopol and Dion's nodding furiously here um, uh, and that was something that we really wanted to make clear with that. oh no the mince oh, pies the oh no this is awful <laughs> Merry okay Christmas. Merry Christmas everyone our mince pies have just okay. gone all over the three second rule Three-second rule is fine. Hurry up, Callum. Maybe not that one. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Well, right, that's it. I'm closing this podcast. Mince pies are gone. I'm going home. Disaster. 
Was that you, Jude? Did you it just was, kick it was my, them um, over? Yeah, my You're like, right, I'm not getting enough airtime. I'm just going to kick these mince pies well, over. I'm just trying to encourage other people to eat them because at the moment um, <laughs> I'm doing quite a good job if on my own. They're the same guy on Okay, mince pie tragedy averted. Um, so, yeah, Sevastopol and Mike. And we wanted to make that really clear was that when he landed, he'd be like, oh my God, this is a dream come true, something to tick off my list is that I'm finally here on Sevastopol. And what I loved uh, was how much time we actually spent deciding on Mike's logo and his Twitter um, sort of like profile pic, which is uh, a rocket. And he's you know, obsessed with space. And it was one of the things that uh, we're really proud of because we actually spent a lot of time and, and it looks like one of those really lovely woven patches. And uh, my nickname for Mike was Rocket Man, which meant that every single time I heard the Elton John song, Rocket Man, it really depressed me. And I do encourage anyone to, you know, if, if, if you then discover Mike's story and you read through it, go and listen to Elton John's Rocket Man, because it's actually really, it's really him. And I remember listening to it on the radio on the drive to work once and getting quite emotional. And I was like, oh no, I'm near the M25. I shouldn't be getting this upset. But uh, I did. Well, how I did. many times can you hear Rocket Man on the radio? <laughs> I, I don't think I've heard it on the radio. It was for... like, oh, what That'd was it? It was smooth FM or something. Sure. It, it was like a, a special something. It might have been, uh, I, I do know what, I, I don't know what station it was, but it, it definitely, I, I think I heard about two, three times. Wow. Through the space, maybe it was Mike reaching out to me into, you know, from the far almost regions certainly, of space. Almost certainly, almost <laughs> certainly. Exactly. Um, Ron Cobb, this fantastic level of detail of work on Alien. He was the, I think he was the lead, was he not? He was the art lead on, on the in the art department and he did everything from the spaceships to some alien designs which luckily weren't used. Uh, but his, he did the signage inside uh, spaceships and he also did the, the patchwork as well mm. that the, the characters were in Alien. And so I was very, you know, using that as kind of reference. It could easily just be like a flag or a picture of her, but to, to add in some little details like that, make a character complete because it makes the viewer asks questions yeah. and it gives a more rich kind of world. We did a few designs, mm. I think I think those ones were That were was the good. one that, um, and I actually think in the, mm, oh, should I say this? Uh, in the family photo, there's a little- Yes, that's right. A little is. reference yeah. to the rocket as well. And, and um, it, you know, it's, it was a really lovely touch. Um, very nice indeed. And I think moving, Dude, that phone. That's not my phone, that's my iPad. Oh, Lord. Okay, <laughs> well, very, uh, well. Important man. You're losing points. Sorry. You're losing the just, mince just pies. Adding, just adding some like, texture, <laughs> texture. To, the, to the podcast, you know? Um, and then, uh, sorry, uh, before we go into you, um, Jude, very quickly, though, you, uh, Callum, you also fleshed out the character of Anne and Heidi and Beth. Uh, Anne is Mike's wife and Heidi and Beth are his daughters and obviously when Dion and I kind of like sat down and said oh the girls would be like this and his wife would be like this we didn't put as much detail into them as as, as much as we did with Mike but you kind of like did the first sketches of the girls and it was actually quite emotional this is the word of the day for this podcast emotional um looking at those pictures because you um spend a lot of time writing out the text for them and, and the tweets and the language and oh my god <laughs> I genuinely don't know how to stop it making any noise. <laughs> Put it in a drawer. Yeah, that's it. Put it in the fridge. One of the interesting things as well about that so, for so me the is, that, nothing. is um, normally within in, in any kind of narrative, it's normally the family that are the ones that the tragedy happens to, if any tragedy mm. were to happen. Um, so this was kind of flipped slightly. So mm. to follow his Twitter feed and realise what's 
what would they be feeling if they're seeing this come through i guess there'd be a time delay anyway but it would be quite harrowing you'd feel quite helpless so yeah. that again was quite interesting for me to to see it from that point of view that the narrative slightly flipped there so absolutely well i think all the you know the family photos and all the other kind of um, supporting sort of personal artifacts that we, we put in place for um, in, in, his, in his personal quarters. I mean, mm. it does make it very, very human, and um, yeah. and I think you know that's a, definitely something that mm. I mean, we, we picked up on when, when this opportunity arrived, and you know this kind of environmental storytelling. Mike was a great opportunity to tell this story and this harrowing story of a poor guy who um, had a. Tough time. A, 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 a tough, a tough time and a very bad time at work. Um, <laughs> bad um, moving on from that, like uh, obviously we gave the character of Mike and his rough text form of, of you know brain ideas from me and Dion took it to Callum. Callum then drafted up this character with all of his you know um, memorabilia from home and things, and then we took all of that to Jude. Who Jude, you, you and your team then actually put him into the game to be discovered as a hopefully a really lovely Easter egg. So, how did you go about taking that, putting that into game, and creating Mike's world in in that little space that he has? I think there's um, probably two halves to that piece of work. I mean, one is the character of Mike himself. Obviously, we had to create this guy. You know, you can go and find him in the uh, in the game. I encourage everyone to do so. I think you'll find him in a fairly poor state uh, in his personal quarters. You can actually see him uh, in a corridor uh, through a window. Um, you can look into this space that you can't access immediately. But um, you know, there's plenty of stuff in there mm. to. Uh, Law you as a, a player to come mm. back and investigate. I mean, the room's full of useful stuff, not only the stuff that, you know, Dion's created for the narrative and the storytelling stuff, but, you know, actually stuff that will practically help you uh, in the game. So I'd encourage everyone to open that door and, and go and have a look. And um, and the other, the other side of it was actually building him as a character. So we got the concepts from Callum, and I think by this point, you know, most of our other characters uh, have been you know, fully developed and fully realised um, in games. So when we got the concepts mm. from Callum, was just looking at them going, well, that's clearly in the same universe that we've been um, producing these other characters to, to inhabit and so um, we basically constructed his costume from existing components we've had other non-player characters you know maybe they secondary characters or the more uh, named narrative characters mm -hmm. and we kind of pieced together a costume made a few adjustments and got that fairly close to um, to Callum's concept and then for the for the head um, we had your brief Nian, um, we knew who this guy was, mm. um, his approximate <clears throat> age, and as, as Callum mentioned earlier on, uh, all of our heads in game are scanned from mm. uh, scanned from real people. So we went through our extensive library, <laughs> um, and we, we actually um, found uh, Mike Tanaka from um, a visit we um, where we'd been to um, Sega headquarters in in mm -hmm. London. Um, we were there one day with the scanning equipment and basically got everyone in the office to be scanned and anyway Mike Tanaka is a and not to be named or we won't disclose <laughs> who it was but uh, he was a Sega executive that we found in um, in Brentford yeah. on that one day um, and it's quite a good fit I think for yes, for the character yeah. yeah so uh, we, we made the we made the character we built the model from the concept and then um, animation went to work and uh, how should I describe it without giving too much away no, I'm going to stop myself there. Um, <laughs> you have to go. You have to go meet him yeah. and, see, and see how he's going. Um, but yeah, and the um, the actual space, the, the environment, the space that we put him in, as I mentioned, um, you can see his room, his mm. sort of personal quarters from from one of the corridors. It's kind of quite hidden away, but mm -hmm. it's on one of the early levels in the game. We have to say where it is. Uh, no. Okay. I want people to go and okay. find him. Go and find it. It's on one of the very early levels in the game. Um, 
not 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 to be too specific. Um, <laughs> I think that's, yeah. that's you know clear that's enough. enough. That's, that's enough. enough. Okay, go like, find you know, it. He's, he's, um, uh, I know we've, we're kind of like talking about him now, so the secret's out. But um, it been it's nice for people to go and and, and look for him yeah. because also um, Jude in in the room there is a locker that's filled with some lovely goodies which some of you actually many of you have already discovered but you haven't discovered the code to and um, I can sort of like say that the code is actually linked to Mike um, what it is where it is you'll have to discover for yourself but I think we've actually given the answer away if you listen back to the podcast absolutely <laughs> um, so do and uh, like Jude says you know that's that's a good incentive for any player really because the stuff in there is going to help you survive your overall visit to Sevastopol. Yeah, so I think when we, I mean, Mike's, Mike's uh, personal quarters weren't part of the original level design or, mm. or space, so when we um, found out from the end that we, we need to incorporate this, we, you know, we were scratching our heads, where do we put it, does it go here, does it go there, and kind of found a broad uh, location and didn't, couldn't quite fit the room into the space that, that we needed to, so we had to um, completely change the level design. But, yeah, no, yeah. Um, that, that's, a, that's a gross um, uh, exaggeration. <laughs> we had to uh, extend a corridor um, to make room for the window and, and yeah, I think it feels like quite, fits in quite seamlessly. Mm. Um, if you haven't found it or it's not, not sticking out like a sore thumb, then I think we've done our, we've done our job well. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say so. And like I said, a few few people have already discovered Mike um, out on the interwebs, and uh, you know they've been asking about what the code is to the secret locker. But my message on this Advent day is that there's more than just the code to the locker. There is Mike's entire backstories, and uh, you know we've worked really hard to create this very lovely character. So please do go and and discover his story, and then go and listen to Rocket Man, and then for me because uh, you should um, but overall like Mike is just one of the you know little nods uh, secret nods and to goodies and stuff like he's you know um, he's one Easter egg but I, I know that and I don't want to reveal all the stuff in the game but um, I do want to encourage people to go and explore the game and discover all these little nuggets of information and, and bits and bobs is there any chance that you guys could hint at what what you? Okay, I'm, I'm not going to hint. I'm going to be completely blatant. <gasps> oh my god! Um, Look, just kicked not, over not, the mince pies, uh, and not, now you're giving away secrets. I'm not sure if it's an Easter egg so much as a little uh, tidbit of um, knowledge. But uh, one of our characters um, in game, Connor, uh, uh, yes, who yes. is co-pilot on Belaine's ship, is actually our esteemed Cullen. Hey! So, uh, I see you it gave is. me better hair though. Did I? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot better than my real hair. We'll have to go. Very nice we'll have David to go. Soul kind of. We'll have to go and compare and contrast. So, so yeah, when we when we were scanning everyone um, for their for their likenesses, um, we scanned everyone on the team. Mm. Um, Cam's got a great face. Look at that face. <laughs> and, uh, so per- perfect, uh, perfect for the co-pilot. Well, you can see that face in our game because uh, you just have to look at Connor. And uh, you you have Callum's yeah. face. So, yeah, so you're technically nice. part of the crew of the Torrens, Callum. Yeah, I'm all over this game, really. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do I die? Or can I not say right? <laughs> not, can we not spoilers? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Find out yourself. Does Connor have a Twitter feed? No. I think you need to start. Maybe we should start, yeah, one. Yeah. start one. Start one, straight away. But yes, you can actually um, find Callum as Connor um, in-game, uh, part of the Torrens crew, co-pilot to Verlaine. Um So yeah, that was exciting when I found that out. I was a bit like, oh, cool. 
kind of you get to met him virtually as well. Yeah. Mm. I thought I was just going to be one of the dead androids, but uh. <laughs> you, know, you, have, you haven't got the, the, the bone structure for the androids. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> specific bone structure. Yeah. What about you, Dion? Do you have anything that you can hint at and encourage people to go and, and, and take a look? Yeah, so um, I, I was—I mean, I was thinking of Easter eggs and stuff. Um, I'll just go I'll go through them quickly. Uh, there's, um, there's—I mean, there's. Don't give them all out. You've got a list. I've got a list. Okay, let's let's see. Uh, well, I think okay. I, I won't see exactly what they are, yeah. but obviously, uh, um, our team upstairs, a uh, total war. Yeah. And we've got a total war reference very very early on in the game. If you'll find it, and it may be throughout the rest of the game actually as well. One of the things I really like, and I think this isn't a story point, so I think we can say a bit more specific about this, is um, um, there's a lot of uh, holiday kind of posters, snaps. Ah, uh, yes. And um, I think when we were looking at them, we decided that seemed a bit more, bit too cosy. And we wanted to get across the idea of this isolation on Sebastopol. So if you look at them closer, they're actually, it's not about holiday destinations, it's about like slides of holiday destinations. See, the idea is you get these slides and you can't go to these places, but you can look at them, these old snapshots. And um, what's nice about that is that that's actually, um, if you look at Aliens in the director's car, when um, Ellen Ripley finds out about Amanda Ripley, mm. um, she's actually watching one of those things. First, it seems like she's in a forest, and you're like, it's mm. really nice. And then um, it kind of blinks off, and mm. you realise that it's she's actually on this whole station. And mm. So it's nice to put that in. A technical term for them is vistas, is it not? Vistas, that's it. It is, that's it. yeah. Thank you, yes. A lovely vista. And we got um, one I quite liked was the... Um, um, another poster, which was for the motion tracker. If you if you look on um, the station, yes. you'll find a poster that says um, if they breed, yeah. uh, track and Pests exterminate. Exterminate, yes. So the idea yes. is a motion tracker is a it existed as a machine before. It is a very good poster. Indeed. Oh, we have, and I, was, I won't say what this is at all, but we have a very specific reference to Ash's attack on Ellen Ripley from Alien in one of the levels. Oh, really? And I think some people find it. I've seen it. <gasps> I have not. It's quite it. a nice nod to it. Yes, it's certainly disturbing. Oh, yes. really? Yes, oh, Gee knows what it is. Right, I'm going to have to go and find out what that is. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So that's just a, a little list of some of the stuff that you can look to in-game. You can go meet Callum Connor for yourself and discover all these uh, other bits and, and bobs. So please do. And, and if you do find them or if you find things that we haven't mentioned on here, obviously just share it with us on Facebook and Twitter and let us know how you... <laughs> how you going? Sorry, I just looked over and just seen... Uh, Jude's iPad just completely covered in mince pie crumbs and crusts. Absolutely. Someone's got to eat them, haven't they? So on on that note, actually, unrelated, but because it is, we're heading towards that festive season, festive holiday. I have a surprise question for you. God. Yeah, it's it's the season. Tis the season. We've got mince pies. Jude's kicking them all over the place. So uh, what are you looking forward to this Christmas? Apart from playing a lot of Alien Isolation. Um, I'm I'm going to um, I'm going to looking forward to doing some uh, writing, drawing, and music. Um, mm. All the things I didn't have time for when we we're making a game. Or in, so a busy I'm going to just do some um, yeah, like fun fun stuff at home. Yeah, yeah for me, Christmas is all about um, family time. I used to be a real humbug and hate Christmas until I had kids, and now I absolutely love it. So I'm just <laughs> looking forward to uh, reliving my childhood through the through the eyes of the my carelessly boys. carelessly through your kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, same here. I'll, I'll enjoy spending time with my family. Um, unlike Mike, 
Oh, oh God, oh, oh no. Oh, By the way, I, also I, I would also like to see my family. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to my selfish time. I was like, yeah. oh, family. I mean, yes, my family as well. I get you, family. I'm going to do some charity stuff as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I love, I love kids and everything's nice. And... <laughs> cool. Oh, excellent. Um, okay, so I think that kind of like wraps it up. Uh, fairly nicely. Thank you, Callum, for joining us Thank you for the podcast. Me. Thank you for you know giving us a little bit more info on Mike, and I hope that uh, is a really nice little Advent Easter egg. Oh, those are you know two very different seasons that I've just clashed Christmas together. Christmas Easter. There. Christmas Easter. Can you imagine what that would be like? Well, we're talking about Christmas eggs today, aren't we? Really? Yes, Christmas eggs. That is that is a you know good shout, Jude. Thank but you. imagine a giant rabbit dressed as Father Christmas. Stuff of nightmares. <laughs> Stuff of nightmares. I'm sure um, there's something like that in Bill and Ted too. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, no, I hope you really do enjoy that little um, alien advent goodie. Um, go find out the story of Mike Tanaka. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. This is, I think, going to be our last Priority One uh, podcast of the year because 2014 is closing. 2015 is on the horizon. Yeah, God knows what other priority ones will come along. But um, thank you to everyone who's tuned in this past year to listen to us. I hope you enjoyed it. And hopefully we will catch you again at some point to talk about something else alien isolation based. Happy holidays. Merry festivities. Enjoy whatever you're doing. All the turkey you're going to inevitably eat. Pigs in blankets. I'm just going to list a load of food that in my brain I'm now like, hmm, Christmas, pigs in blankets, mince pies. Mold wine. Does anyone want a mince pie? We've got four here. I'm, I'm done. A bit fluffy. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thank you very much, and we will catch you very soon um, in the new year. Bye. 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 Thank you. <laughs>